behavior, bitches. Hey guys, it's Leah and Casey, and we are here with episode 151. Casey, what do you have for us today? All right, so I will say I'm pretty sick of the rhymes, uh, so I'm going to keep it very simple today. Episode 151, A Dink's Guide to Caregiving Coaching 101. I love that. I thought you were going to say dual income, no kids. No, I'm, it's we're super waiting. fun. Oh, that's a good one. Maybe you should take over the rhyme. <laughs> yeah, dude. That's, that's the, myself. That's the joke. <laughs> the joke is we make you do it because you suck at rhyming. I know. Well, anyways, guys, um, today is super special. So we've been waiting a long time to record this episode. Yep. Today's a super special day. We're very excited about our guest, uh, even though we've had to cancel a few times before and she thought I was avoiding her. I'm not just... I'm really bad at morning podcasts, first of all. Maybe we should block that time out. As Dude, I just seen an intervention. 9 a.m. should not be available. I it love be... it. I would rather do like 6 a.m. No, like starting at 9.30. Oh, the 30 minutes is what? Well, the limited hold? That's what you have? Yeah, like 9 is like yeah, 9.30, I think. <laughs> I'd like slay. Okay. Or 10. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> all right. Either way, Liat made it here. I set up all the mics um, now that we're in person. I can do these things where before when I was in New Hampshire, I'd have such bad anxiety because I didn't know if she was going to show up on, on time or not. Here I have her water, her outline printed, two mics set up. I think we're ready to rock. So I want to say first thank you to the people that have sent in new reviews. Um, we've had three new ones in two weeks, which is amazing. So let me start by some, you know, we love to reinforce our podcasting behavior. So I love her name, bitch. I'm Natalie. What up, Natalie? Love you. Um, she what said, up, Nat, <laughs> love this. I'm not even in school for ABA, but I love this podcast. I am constantly learning so much. I'm fascinated by people and their behaviors. My cousin who told me about this podcast, she's in school, and I find it fascinating and recommended to anyone, not just people going to school for this. So that hits home for us. That's one of our biggest goals is to disseminate the science to anyone. Doesn't have to be just BCBAs going through, um, you know, school. So Natalie, you rock. Love you. Mean it. Thank you for the review. Everyone else, go leave us a five-star review. Seriously, go. <laughs> Liat's really excited about that. Yes. What up, yo? It's me, the behavioral robot, here to tell you about the principles that will be covered today. We have parent training, generalization, mediation, resurgence, shaping, attrition, baseline intervention, negative reinforcement, resurgence, magnitude, Please listen up for these. All right. So I guess I will start. Take us, take it away. By introducing our guest. You may remember this guest. If you're thinking of yourself getting ready in the morning and taking your shower, you might take a freezing cold shower. And what are the benefits of that? Go listen to that previous episode with Rosie Jeffers about taking cold showers. Um, I still have yet to do it, I will be honest, but she's a boss and she does it. So anyways, 
Rosie Jeffers is passionate about three things in life. I know this because I've been with her before. Food, behavior analysis, and cats. And I relate to those because I am passionate about those three things too. Her dissemination efforts can be found through her podcast, Behavior Bites, or find her on Instagram at rosie.eats.behavior or her website, rosiebehavior.com. And you should note that behavior is BX. BX. All the cool kids write it like that. That's right. Rosie is a member of multiple organizations, including Mass ABA, Babbitt, and an advocate ally member of BABA. Rosie's work includes three CEU courses with Study Notes ABA. Woo! Yes. So we love having our CEU uh, contributors on the podcast. Um, she's done a Dink's Guide to Caregiver Coaching, which we'll talk about today. She's done soft skills. This time it's personal and we need to talk. A webinar on ethics. Rosie lives and works on Cape Cod, Massachusetts. East Coast represent. Welcome to the show, Rosie. Hello, hello. <laughs> uh, I was on episode sixty-five. I looked it up, and it was uh, it was released in September twenty twenty. So we're on our three year anniversary today. So oh, did you buy me anything? God. I've, I've never done anything that consistent in my life. That's wild. <laughs> Wait, how has it been three years? That's crazy. Yeah. Holy shit. So yeah, I will say that, Think speaking of 2020, that was when COVID hit and Rosie and I got super close through connection of, you know, morning meetups. That was a weird time, but I I loved it. I actually, I have to say. I wasn't really there so much. No. Because it was like the morning. Well, I will say mm-hmm. yeah, you have like a, community that like probably wasn't affected so much because you guys are all so close no I, mean, I still wasn't out with the community but my family your like, family right yeah and I'm all, like all alone in New Hampshire so I needed something so I formed like a morning meetup and uh <laughs> side note but it definitely is true to my personality <laughs> when I met Rosie at Weva um probably like six months ago she was joking she's like you always had everything like super planned and just like Whatever. She's like, you could have just like let it flow. And I'm like, let it flow. I don't think I know what that means. <laughs> well, what we got there eventually. Oh, oh, oh. Like but I'd be like, like plan a curriculum. Yes. Like I'd be like, okay, now we're doing this meditation. Now we're doing this yoga class. Now we're doing this workout class. Now we're doing this. And they all just wanted to hang out. And, I'm like, <laughs> and the work- workout classes got me because I'm also not an early person. And I think you had you had someone on to do like a high impact cardio. And I was like, I love these women, but that is not my ideal, like, 8 a.m. for myself. <laughs> Dude, you have to realize, 8 a.m., Casey's already been up for four hours. So, like, <laughs> oh, no, I, I, she made that very clear. I would be rolling out of bed uh, like she I look today. Very, even. Yeah, everyone to know she's up at 4.30 or 5. Yeah. I will say, though, with my new puppy today, I slept till 6.58. Sit. That's actually amazing. I know. Have you told Good. everyone you've got a new puppy yet? No, everyone, I got a new puppy, and I will say, holy shit. That's what I needed for my move to I, ease yeah. me into it. I swear we're going to get into the show and peanut butter and jelly, but also because Rosie's like a friend. Yeah, it's like we talking tell, to a friend. Yeah, we could just say what's been going on a little bit for a second. I know it's out of order, so excusez-moi. <laughs> I'm tired of speaking French today, you know. <laughs> um, Casey's here. I know, I think we've done a podcast since you've been here. But let me tell you, Casey's vibe this week is way better than it was two weeks ago when she moved here. 
She moved here two weeks ago, and then she left for a week, and now she's back, and her energy went from, like, baseline to intervention. <laughs> Let me tell you. Really with an ascending trend. Do you want to know what the intervention was? Yeah. Tell us. Tell us what you're going through. Uh, the intervention, I think it was the multiple variables, but the main one, I think, is Lexapro. So um, I was on Lexapro for a while, and I think anyone listening that goes through mental illness depression, anxiety. When you get better on it, like me, I thought I was good. I stopped taking it. I'm like, I don't need this. I'm better. I'm great. I'm like feeling good. I don't need this meds. I'm, I'm great. I'm fine. Um, the Ross episode of Friends. Um, no, so I went off of it for about eight months and Dude, I can't believe you didn't tell me. And you I think you specifically don't tell me these things. I know, because you're my bully, but my good bully. Like it's like so I went off of it, and it was You're all well. Hiding and- something, you know, it's wrong. Yes, yeah, I, I'm hiding it. Um, so I, you know, I do a lot of masking and acting like things are fine, and then it gets to a point where there is no way to mask it anymore. Like, but can I just ask you, like, seriously, as a friend, what is your plan when you do that? You're like, hmm, like you like to plan things, right? Your yeah. planner. Mm-hmm. You're like. About eight months ago is when you made the decision potentially that you're moving. Mm-hmm. Like what part of you was like, hmm, I'm making a huge life transition. I'm moving to a different city. Maybe it's a good time for me to get off my meds. <laughs> like just like, call that me, out. Tell me your thought process there. Like why okay. not do it torture? So there was a, a DRA in place. <laughs> I will say, I think. So when I came out here last time and Carol had mentioned Bro, uh, bro, 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 bro. Carol mentioned some TikTok supplement <laughs> she fucking found, right? It was called Sammy. Um, and I, I I was like, okay, if this is a supplement and it's natural, which I like to do, I switch to that. And they say you can't take anti-anxiety meds on this thing called Sammy. So I went off of it and I was replacing it with an alternative behavior that I thought was appropriate. And uh, it was for a minute. And then well, it, it was wasn't. still because it stays in your system for like two weeks. <laughs> and then it wasn't. Um, so, anyways, Liat convinced me when I had an absolute breakdown a couple weeks ago. Like, dude, get back on your meds. So, Lexapro was a big um, phase change line in my intervention phase, and and the squirrel under the desk. Oh, and my little squirrel, my little teacup chihuahua, Mabel is um, a heaven sent angel. She's really good. They all thought she'd be annoying. She's Casey awesome. went from like solely only talking about cats to now like <laughs> I'm a dog mom. I carry my dog in my purse. I am like Casey moved to Dallas with this dog. So just side note, she came for a week. Then she went home for a week to go pick up the dog and just like to see like if she's so depressed still. But she started her meds, got this dog. This dog like literally changed her. But now Casey, who could not handle much attention, <laughs> I'm perverted. Like, like, jokes. Every person comes up to you. Like, without a doubt. Every guy is like, hey, girl, I like your dog. (laughs) We'll post a picture of the dog on Instagram so everyone knows what we're talking about for context. But the dog is literally, like, a tiny squirrel that doesn't even, like, lay on the floor. Only, like, lays on our desk. And it's, like, this, like, gerbil that, like, passes over your computer every now and then. And it's so light. It doesn't even push a keyboard. <laughs> so cute. She's so Her name's cute. Mabel. She's my little baby angel. But, all right. I'm pumped. So, I Not have... butter and jelly. I just want to say, Rosie, your CEU um, on our website, Study Notes ABA, 
CEUs is so good because I know as a dink as well as you, um, when you choose or maybe don't choose but can't have kids or don't have kids, whatever it may be, you have a serious imposter syndrome about parent training. We'll talk about why we call it caregiver coaching versus parent training, which I love too that you talk about. But let's just start by you telling us. Well, can you first operationally define what a dink is for me? Is this like a kink or something? Can you like give me some- <laughs> a dink kink? <laughs> I guess in, I have a I- dink kink, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good rhyme. I should have done that. <laughs> um, so a dink is either uh, dual income or double income, no kids. So it just means uh, that I am married um, or in a committed relationship with a partner. We both are working, so we both have income, and then we have no children. Cool. Thank you for explaining that. I also discovered last night I'm a sick. Mm-hmm. A single, in- single income, one income. kid, yeah. Oh, I like that. Wait, it's it's sick, bro. Sick. Okay, love it. All right. I know it's not a real thing. I just wanted to fit in. Okay, keep going. <laughs> no, there. The, people are coming up with ones that are like dual income with dogs. Someone was trying to tell me that one, uh, but I couldn't figure out the acronym that they were telling. I was like, Dink just rolls off the tongue, which yeah. I guess is getting back into the kink piece. But, <laughs> but I'll leave these other dwid, ones like dwid. Dual income with dog, dwid, and you had a cat. That's a dwidsy. Uh, I'm a dwidsy. <laughs> I'm a dwidsy. See, that doesn't roll off that well, and no, it doesn't really pertain to, like, the job that we do, so. So, as much as I want to talk about my cats. <laughs> oh, my God. Rosie has, she fosters cats, and how many do you have right now? Uh, I personally have three of my own, and then uh, I was fostering four. Two just got adopted yesterday, so I have two left. I don't know how you give them away. You're such a strong person. Thank you. It's amazing. That's a soapbox I will say for a different day. <laughs> we'll take you back for a third episode. Don't worry. Um, all right. So tell us a little bit about your CEU. Um, just like an overall thing. And then we'll dive into some of the questions I have for you. Sure. Uh, so the CEU, what I found when I started as a behavior analyst was parent training, caregiver coaching was the most difficult piece because it's not well trained when you're in school or in supervision. Um, And so when I was kind of thrusted into the role of a BCBA, I didn't know what I was doing. And I felt definitely the imposter syndrome. Um, I felt like everything I was saying was either, why aren't they listening to me? Or, oh my goodness, I'm wrong about everything. My entire life is wrong. And there was no in between. Um, And I think it came to a head when uh, I had a parent kind of ask me like, oh, do you have kids? And I said no, and I didn't share why or anything like that. And the the thing with people's brains is we all fill in the blanks one way or another. So this particular family filled in the blanks that I didn't like kids. I didn't care for kids. Therefore, I must be in the wrong profession. And so when things went down where they had to be discharged, ethically discharged, um, and it turned... Because of this? No, no. They... Yeah, like the scheduling just wasn't kind of fitting with their family dynamics. Um, There was a lot of cancellations, a lot of 
lateness, a lot of, you know, they weren't quite sure. Uh, I think it was a family of four or five. So it was just difficult. And we uh, discharged them or we started transitioning them to either like a caregiver coaching model or um, to like another, another company in the area. But what ended up happening, even though we made this entire plan, is she left me the worst voice memo, voicemail that I have ever gotten in my life um, about a lot of swear words that I won't repeat. But it was basically like, you don't like kids, like you don't have kids because you hate kids. You're in the wrong profession, like F this, F that, all that stuff. Um and luckily, I was in a stable mental state, and I knew that it was false, that of course I care about kids, um, but I must have not shown that because I wasn't sharing myself. So then fast forward to the pandemic, um, I had, uh, at that time, I had about 18 clients, and pandemic hit, we all were switching over to remote and my primary goal was supporting these families one way or another. And so I started meeting with all of my parents uh, every single week, which was new for me. And I kind of taught myself how to interact with parents uh, in a more, uh, I'm not scared shitless way, <laughs> lack for a better, uh, a better way to describe it. But um I just found that it's really easy to relate to them when I just talk to them like humans, like I would talk to a friend ethically, professionally, but still how I would talk to friends. Um, and then we started coming out of the pandemic and I realized that these parents still wanted to meet with me every single week. Some of them maybe switched to every other week. And my husband was like, you you have something going on here, like something positive that you didn't have before. And I feel like when you talk about your colleagues, they're also struggling to get parent training sessions in. And so I put feelers out there. Uh, and a lot of people like, yeah, parents are the most difficult part of our job. Parents, difficult parents, parents stress me out, parents this, parents that. And so, yeah, so I reached out to Jordan way back when you all started the CEUs. And the three things I had told her back in 2020 was I wanted to do one on soft skills, on the interpersonal skills. I wanted to do an ethics one, and I wanted to do a parent training one. So this was the culmination of the last CEU that I wanted to do. I'm not saying it will be the last, but it was my, my three-year plan. <laughs> yeah, and you did it. Yeah, yeah, you've stuck to it, which is very cool. The follow through on people like saying they want to make CEUs to actually making it is very low. It's high hard. attrition. What's it called? Yeah, attrition. <laughs> fall <Drop> off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's up? Casey here. And there are some really amazing products on our website at studynotesaba.com that we kind of put a lot of work into and then forget to talk about ever again. One of those being something we spent, Alan can contest to this as our producer, probably a year working on, and that is Bitches Talk the Task List. So if you are a clinician, RBT, um, studying for your exam, whatever it may be, and you're on the go, you can download the Bitches Talk the Task List and you can listen to us 
talk and shoot the shit with you for approximately eight hours, covering every item on the BCBA task list that you need to know. We keep it real, raw, relatable. You know us. Um, as always, it's kind of like a podcast, but you're learning along the way. So go to www.studynotesaba.com and you can get one month access, two month access, or four month access depending on your needs. We cannot wait for you to hang with us for over eight hours shooting the shit about the task list to get you to pass this test. Love you, mean it. I always like when I hear people say different things, it makes me realize like how different all of us think because I'm like, dude, before I had a kid, I thought I knew it all. <laughs> I'd go in there and be like, come on, like what you got to do is this, like clearly just put it on extinction, blah, blah, blah. And now I have a kid and I'm like, oh, so like <laughs> the fact that you were able to be like, I feel bad saying this because like, I'm not a parent. I just realized like my personality goes in somewhere and I'm like, oh, I totally know what it is. And like, you know, my thoughts change now once I have a kid and it's not that easy so well that's that's true and that's the other that's the other piece of it um and I say in my in my presentation the whole behavior analysis can save the world has actually been such a detrimental phrase in our field because it really pits behavior analysis against everyone else against other professions other fields parents clients um, autistic adults. And it makes us sound so elitist. And it's like, it's behavior analysis alone cannot save anyone. We can't even save ourselves, <laughs> which is another soapbox for another day. Um, but yeah, so, so, you know, walking in, especially since I do in home, like walking into someone's home and just be like, oh, put that crying on extinction. Like just, just ignore it. Uh, <laughs> If you just use our science and use how we can read behavior and read body language to the parents, not just the learners, you'll start realizing, oh, they are literally triggered. They are literally because crying is shaped. Babies start crying as, pretty much as soon as they're born. And it is a behavior that is shaped both uh, shaping the crying, what crying is going to get me the reinforcement that I need, but also the parent negatively. Uh, negative reinforcement, how to get this baby to stop crying. And so it continues to work together until that child stops crying at a certain point. Um, But then you find kind of, hmm, we could call it like a resurgence when that parent hears another child cry at that same frequency, pitch, magnitude, all of that. And so once you start realizing that, like the basic biology of it, the basic science of it, uh, that parent's not going to be able to ignore that. It, it's nearly impossible to ignore certain cries. And then there's certain cries they can ignore, but you really have to take it by a case by case. So when I was listening to that, for me, um, and this is where I think the trauma-informed, compassionate care comes into place is like, crying, like if I've had my niece or my nephew or someone that's like, crying crying and it's like I know as a behaviorist you know ignore it or whatever or even my dog whining um it it triggers me because of my own history of crying and having no one like coming to get me right so I as I'm not a parent but even just like as an aunt or um 
a, a dog mom, cat mom, as a caring human, as a caring human, um, the crying or whining, even like our cats that wake us up at 2.30 in the morning. And I'm like, just shut the door. I think in my head, like, that's like an easy environmental manipulation. I can't because mm-hmm. if I hear it, it triggers something in me that's like abandoned, like I'm abandoning them. Um, so I love what you said. Like, you can't just expect someone to be able to ignore or if you you also mentioned like well what if they have other children and then they're worried about them not getting enough sleep or they have to go to work the next morning and like for Liat like if Kobe's screaming like you know you have to show up at 9 a.m for a podcast like you will engage in behavior such as taking him in bed with you Uh for that negative reinforcement of like oh just stop right like I've got you and it might affect your whole night's sleep but the crying has stopped. So mm-hmm. it's just important to understand someone's history and what they might be feeling when they hear that. Exactly. I mean, it's a total package. Uh, and a lot of times we only think about the client, like the client, the client's behaviors, the client needs to learn these skills, the client needs to reduce their behavior. But nothing in our life is so singular like that. I mean, everything is interconnected. I mean, even you guys are all the way in Texas I'm, and I'm in Massachusetts. Our behaviors today, especially, ha- have intertwined. You know, like Leah didn't sleep, so maybe we were going to move the podcast. And so that was going to change my day. And so nothing is as singular as we behavior analysts always try to make it. Yes. I've definitely learned that over time not I'm not not even saying like having a kid I'm saying in general like you know I think when you come out of studying for the test you're like oh I know what to do if this happens I do like according to Cooper I do this but it's like it's not which for a studying perspective anyone studying it sucks that it's not that black and white right the studying you need to see it as like this is what you do according to the text but like when you have real people in there with real emotions and like you're saying, it's not just the client we're looking at. Like the client also is the parent. Mm-hmm. And so discussing this is so important. You know, even um, recently, as we know, I did that one cool thing and wore a cool outfit to the Coldplay concert. And I <laughs> and I went to the <laughs> – I'm still like priding myself on this one outfit I wore. That was cool. Um <laughs> I went with Isabella, um, one of our friends. We met through Behavior Bitches podcast, and she has a son with autism who's she's and now she's a BCBA. You'll hear on the podcast sometime her story, but she's saying, like, she told me this long letter she wrote to her son's clinic, ABA clinic. She doesn't work there, being like, "We're going to discontinue services." Like, unfortunately, I have not seen any. Like, I've been asking for an assessment since you guys had him for a year. You know, the goals he's working on are completely irrelevant. Uh, like he, re- you guys are asking him to write his name. When I look at his program, he's already writing full sentences, like things mm-hmm. like that. And also, I've asked for you not to work on these academic skills as he's doing that in school. And like when she was reading it to me, she's like, "Like, do you know how painful it is as a parent? Like, I feel like I am failing my kid. Like, how did I let this go on for a year? Like, I asked them for it for a year, but I only took the action." to do this a year later and she's like the pain of a parent of being like I'm effing my child over here because and like in the letter she writes like this is a lost year of growth for my child like every single thing is so important 
And, you know, just thinking about that, and it's hard, I'm saying, even as someone, I'm saying like, I have a child, but I don't have a child on the spectrum. And so I saw through her eyes in that moment, and I was like, fuck, like, you're right. And she's like, you think I was too aggressive? And I'm like, actually, no. <laughs> like, but what I'm saying, it's it's so important to be able to, like, I couldn't give her advice in that moment. But when I saw it, I was like, wow, I would want to do the same thing. Yeah. So kind of just like looking at these like individual stories was interesting. Well, Rosie, I think one of the things that you talked about that would like kind of relate to this and maybe help this alleviate the situation is um, how to pair with a parent. And you kind of mentioned it earlier, but sharing, you know, you realized you needed to share kind of your story or a little bit about who you are without crossing some professional boundaries. Um, And the other thing I loved is like you were saying, you know, when you plan these meetings, right, let's say... 10 a.m. is a time when they finally get home from dropping their kids off from school and that's their time to make breakfast. They have not eaten. They have not showered. Like, is that a good time or not? And what you said that I loved because you were like, well, maybe you go there and, you know, let them make breakfast while they talk to you. And for someone like me, I would feel more comfortable if I could do my normal things while a a therapist was there because it kind of you're doing something and you're talking versus just sitting at a table, like, boom, right? So that was, I love, can you talk a little bit about that? Of course. I mean, to go back to Liat's po- point, uh, I talk about this in this on the presentation too. There's two research articles out uh, by Comforstein, Comforstein, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, 2018 and 2019, uh, where they found that there was an increase in uh, PTSI, no, PTSS, so post-traumatic stress syndrome uh, symptoms in uh, autistics who have had ABA. And then her follow-up or their follow-up article was why parents are leaving ABA. Uh, So that goes hand in hand with what you're saying. But then going to your point, Casey, um, definitely pairing. I look at all of my parent training sessions, my caregiver coaching, we should go over that, Uh, caregiver caregiver coaching sessions, um, just like I would with a regular learner. So I'm spending 10 minutes pairing with them. So, uh, you know, there's the typical questions like, how are you? A lot of parent, a lot of people will just say I'm fine. And so I tried to dig a little bit deeper. I take really meticulous notes of things that they have told me in the past, plus coupled with I have a really good memory. And so I'll remember last time we talked two weeks ago, you were prepping for your sister's birthday party. How did that go? You know, how were, uh, I know you were really stressed that you weren't going to get the right flavored cake. Like, were you able to find that? Because then... Yes, this is pairing. Yeah, Casey's really good at that. Casey is so good at that. She literally, like, in the email is always like, hey, how's your son's knee doing, Jessica? I'm like, (laughs) you remember that? (laughs) Yes, yes. Um, And if you don't have a good memory, that's fine. Just have a little notebook that you take notes in. Um, 
because, and I used to shy away from even saying that because again, that doesn't seem like behavior analysis, but again, everything is interconnected. And so we can be talking about the aunt's birthday party. How did the learner do at this birthday party? Did he go to it? Did he have any big behaviors? Um, was he able to participate? Did he stay home? Who did he stay with? You know, and so it just kind of expands from there. So yeah, it starts as pairing, but then it turns into a full-blown caregiver coaching session on how the learner did at this birthday party and what kind of skills can we work on from there. So that's what I do with the parents. And then myself, um, I've become very open on different struggles that I've had. So I don't just like open up the meeting and be like, hey, I had a bitch of a day yesterday. No. <laughs> like Unless you think sometimes- your day was bad with your kids? You don't even know. They burned my coffee in the morning, <laughs> number one. Then I had a flat right. tire. <laughs> but um, I had a parent who uh, they took a family trip. Uh, they drove to Florida. And on the way back, mom had... Uh, her very first panic attack and she didn't know what it was. She had called, they called 911 on the side of the road because she was like, what is happening? I think I'm having a heart attack. And then in talking with her, I, uh, she was like, I think that was a panic attack. I'm like, I'm not your doctor. Definitely talk. I'm pretty sure she had like appointments set up. Um, But she was really hung up on the idea of like, but nothing was happening. We were just driving, like nothing. There wasn't anything scary going on. The weather was fine. And so I shared that. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I had shared that over uh, since I didn't, I guess, because I don't even know. I'm still trying to understand it myself. But I'm guessing since I didn't drive a lot over the pandemic, uh, I developed a driving anxiety myself. So I explained out that that's the funny thing with anxiety is it, it you don't have to have a triggering event. It just kind of pops up sometimes. It could be that you weren't even thinking about driving. You were thinking about something else and it triggered it. Uh, I've been pushing for her to get her own like therapy. Uh, we're, we're on the road for that one. Uh, But I think me sharing that as put together and professional as I appear, like, yeah, I also struggle with anxiety and I struggle with driving anxiety too. And so she was able to feel heard and understood in that moment. And then again, if you want to swing it back to behavior analysis um, or more professional towards the learner, if she has anxiety, it is one of those traits that can be passed down. She has two children. And so now we can look at her children's behavior and see if the learners are also exhibiting some of those anxious behaviors that could lead to an anxiety attack or a panic attack. And so again, like everything is linked together. Here's some warning signs. Now you know, the parent knows what it feels like so they can start looking for some of those, those, you know, orange to red flags in their own children i love how you talk about it and tell us about the vibe (laughs) (laughs) uh the vibe my my favorite non-behavior analytic word um the vibe is just when you walk into the room and you just sense what is going on you can you can make it very concrete you know i uh anacina i walked into the room uh, 
client or learner was huddled in the ball on the couch, um, didn't uh, acknowledge when I when I said hello, didn't respond, didn't look at me. Um, parent was in the kitchen uh, putting dishes away more loudly than typical, um, taking short breaths, like all of that. That took me what almost five, like almost five seconds, ten seconds to explain. Instead of saying, "Oh, I walked into the house and the vibe was all off," and I had to figure out what was going on. Um, so yeah, I use the vibe a lot with my technicians. It's a good thing. <laughs> all these things you're saying, like I'm so big on this. When you talk about like, you know, and you you put it into great words that like you're like oh how am I I'm trying to like connect with this person when I don't have a kid or I don't have this or I find like one of my secrets for life and I should not be sharing this on the pod (laughs) is like if you just talk to someone and show interest in them like and I'm someone who's genuinely interested in people like I just got back from Seattle and like anyone like homeless on the street I would like try like get their story. I also just like love people's stories in general. Mm-hmm. But if you just take time, like we talk about it, like take time before a meeting, even like within the office of like our people who work remotely or whatever it is, or the person who came to like talk about yesterday's meeting, like fix your doorknob, like whatever, whoever it is, like if you take that time, you don't have to be a in the exact same situation as that person, but you're gonna have like we're all human on earth, so you're gonna have similarities mm-hmm. within something, right? It doesn't have to be like. Their struggle may be related to something else, but yours may be from something else. But we share that we have struggled. And when you show that you're human, like, I mean, personally, I don't like having a therapist in general. Like, my my one therapist, and I always joke with her, is I'm like, Tola, speaking of which, I need to text her. Dude, your follow-up is, like, so shitty. <laughs> Anyways, so, sorry, off topic. <laughs> Um, like she's so professional and like sweet. And when I started like hearing things about her, I've been going to her on and off since I was like 16. Uh, she's just like a wise woman. And I'd be like, one time my dad saw her at Sam's and my dad came home. Like my whole family would go to her on and off for different things. <laughs> and he was like, I know what toilet paper Tola uses. <laughs> and I was like, like none of us knew anything about Tola. Right. Like none of us knew anything about Tola. Like Tola <laughs> has to live like only in a therapy office, like nothing else. Mm-hmm. And so when I went into her office, I was like, Tola, I know what toilet paper you use. And she's like, what? She's like Russian. Like, or no, not Russian, Greek. I'm sorry. I'm sure you got that from the accent. She's <laughs> like, what do you mean, Leah? I'm like, my dad saw you at Sam's. Like, I know that you use Charmin Ultra. You know? <laughs> and like even that within our relationship, like, you know, like broke it. And then like, I like, so then sometimes even like back to a therapist, I'd ask them questions. Like, you know, they're supposed to like, they're obviously not going to come in there to like dump their problems on you. But you want to know that like, yo, you're giving me depression, like stuff on what to do when I'm depressed or anxious about a breakup. Have you ever been through like a heartbreak or you Mm -hmm. like have helped someone through it? Like you don't have to have gone through the same thing or whatever it is, but it's like, Mm -hmm. you like, it's that pairing is so strong like you taking that time and asking the mom how the birthday party was is huge. Like mm-hmm. I, one of the moms I worked with, like was a huge thrifter, and she used to thrift like Pyrex 
Like, I didn't know that these pirates, when you thrift them, like, they could go for a lot of money, these different Mm -hmm. collector's ones. And I'd always be like, can I see which new ones you got this week? Oh, my God, that is so cute. I'm going to try look, like, you know. And when I would go to the thrift store, I'd, like, try look for her just because, like, then I had something fun to look for. Mm -hmm. But those things that you do are so important. Like, when you go in not so sterile, like, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm here, I'm like. But I think that's the biggest, you know, hump to get over is when you pass your test you um aren't trained really in this and you're so stressed about your ethics code and which is super important but you're just worried so much about getting those like you said rosie like what are the strengths what are the deficits what are the skills we're going to work on for your client like but like if you don't and i think that i thought about this this morning i was going over the uh generalization strategies that we use right Mm -hmm. we call it like c-mingle training common strategies loosely training blah 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 the most important one is mediation is like if you don't train the parents or include the parents in the goals and the what are your what you're even doing for your um training then nothing is going to work it doesn't matter how Mm -hmm. many freaking multiple exemplars you use or you know common stimuli if you don't include the people in their environment Mm -hmm. you're a you're not going to get buy-in but also you're not going to get results um so i i mean it is just such a skill that you need to take time to cultivate in yourself and and grow and understand that it is worth your time to do that Mm -hmm. i mean i think the big piece is is relating it back to their values um so so rewind a little bit why i call it caregiver coaching rather than parent training is i'm not training any parent how to be a parent it's not i'm not we're not sitting down i'm not teaching you a course i'm not training you uh we're just i'm coaching we are on the same team we want the same goals for the most part um and so I like that. It ro- I, I think it rolls off the tongue a lot better. I have to ask for 97156 parent training. However, uh, with parents, I call it caregiver coaching. Um, but also understanding what, what their goals are. What are their values? What are, what's the big thing that drives everything they do? Um, I like to ask. It's usually the right around the same similar things they they just want their child to be happy they want their child to have some sort of independence self-advocacy um they want their future to be good (laughs) in one way or another whatever that looks like whether that's their future is living with their parents um whether that's getting an apartment and having a job it can range but i try to figure that out um I directly ask uh, and kind of point. There's a lot of different values assessments and act that you can use. And then everything I do is just aligning them with those values and bringing them closer to those values instead of away from those values. Uh, So there was an instance where uh, a parent had expressed they really wanted their child to have more independence um, and yeah, basically that. They wanted they wanted their child to have more independence. But I noticed that every time the learner would ask for a snack, mom would just jump up and grab it. 
And I had stopped her and I was like, hey, like we really we should be like working on that. Like he is fully capable of getting that bag of chips all by himself. Dude, um, I say that to your mom all the time. <laughs> he'll be like, know. he'll be like knife. I'm like, get it yourself, go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so when I broke it down with her. And you could see, I wish you could all see her face without breaking HIPAA. Um, She said, if I don't get that food, I feel like I'm a bad mom because moms are supposed to provide food for their children. And the look on her face was like, oh, my God, that is what is driving my behavior. And like, that makes absolutely no sense. Like, it's not true. And I just looked at her because I could be like, oh, no, no, no. You know, and I just said you are an amazing mom. Like I could have jumped right into like behavior analyst, like let's go, let's make a plan. I just said, you're an amazing mom. You, you are amazing. You do such a great job. You make sure both your kids are taken care of. They, they have everything that they could ever want, need, desire. Um, and then once that kind of like she processed that, then I was like, you also really want your child to be independent. And so like, let's work on these challenges so so he can start making some food for himself. And like that got us over this huge hurdle of her just jumping to, and now he's actually like starting to cook some of his food, like in a microwave, but you know what I mean? Like he's starting to do some of those initial steps um, towards independence. That saying that, like, you're such an amazing mom, like, when that is so huge, like, I don't even, like, if you realize, like, the magnitude of saying that to someone, like, in that moment, like, I could say now, I am consistently feeling guilty, mm-hmm. always, every second. And I, like, I know I'm a good mom, but I always feel guilty, like, at every second. And when someone's, like, dude, you're killing it at being a single mom or whatever it is. When someone says that, I like literally take it and like walk around with it Mm -hmm. for so long because it's a constant state of guilt. So like you saying that to someone, I promise you, you've made that mom's month. (laughs) Also, you tie yourself like I know I do. I tie my worth to providing value for other people and Mm -hmm. being a caregiver. So that mom probably feels like, letting that independence go right now they're they're less of a a mom or less of a a good parent less of a person and just having that reassurance from someone they value as a therapist who has the best interest interest of their child at play is absolutely like invaluable so i mean if Thank anyone you. wants more information from Rosie um you need to go get this CEU you are going to learn so much and feel less of an imposter going into parent training because I do know that a lot of people, like you said, Rosie, it's the toughest part of the job and it's also the most important because you need buy-in. So Rosie, where can they find you? Tell them. <laughs> um, so you can find me mostly on Instagram at Rosie Eats BX. Um, I also have my own podcast, Behavior Bites, um, where I <laughs> thank you, uh, where I talk to people in our field and related fields 
in the format of a multi-course meal. And so every question is like an appetizer or an entree. Um, so That's so it's fun. creative. I love, it. I love it. Thank you. It's like we're sitting down and I'm interviewing you over dinner. Um, and it always makes me super hungry afterwards, but <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. Um, yeah, those are the two primary things. I'm on a few other social medias. Everything's under Rosie Eats BX. Um, and then you can also find my CUs at cus.studynotesaba.com. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Put it in the link, obviously. Yes. Definitely reach out. I'm my my DMs are open. <laughs> Ooh, that's hot. That sounded way too sultry. <laughs> She's open for a um, dink kink for service. <laughs> Rosie, thank you so much. I'm so happy we finally got to sit down. I was joking this morning that if I prep for this one more time, I could teach the CEU. So I'm glad we finally got it done. <laughs> and you're amazing. Everyone go check her out and you're going to learn so much. Thank you so much, Rosie. All right. You guys know where to find Rosie now, but where do you find us? You could find us on our website, behaviorbitches.com. And there you could contact us, reach out if you want to be on the podcast or you know someone who wants to be on the podcast or you know someone that we should have on the podcast or you know a topic that you want to hear about. Us Which talk parent about. training was one of the ones I got yes. recently. Yes. So this is perfect. This is amazing. Yep. So if you like someone else who reached out to us saying do a podcast on parent training, and you have a topic for us, please send it to us. You know, that's how we get our ideas and keep going. And when I have random 2 a.m. thoughts, uh, with that, you can find us on Instagram at Behavior Bitches Podcast, Facebook at Behavior Bitches Podcast, and go leave us a five star review on the Apple Podcast app for gosh darn sake, you know? Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> that's all we have for you today. As always, love ya. Mean it. Hey guys, it's Liat and Casey. We just want to take a second to let you know that if you're thinking of being a millennial like us and starting your own podcast, there is a way. You can do your show without having to become an audio editing and production wizard because guess what? We don't know shit with that. But we have Alan at Pretty Easy Podcast who helped us get started. He records our shows. He posts them. He adds awesome, awesome music and cool shit when we don't even know what he's doing. He sends us teaser episodes. He does it all. We just sit here and friggin' talk. We shoot the shit and you can record from home, your office, the park, a bathroom stall at work. It doesn't matter. He provides the complete podcast studio. All you need is a microphone and you're good. Alan caters to your schedule and gives you a producer for your show at your beck and call. He has been super flexible with our schedule. Whenever we need super. him, we go to Google Calendar. We just book him and he does all the hard work. It's like so incredibly easy. That's why it's probably called Pretty Easy Podcast. So be heard and have some fun podcasting like us. Go to prettyeasypodcast.com today. This show was produced by Pretty Easy Podcasts and made possible by listeners like you. If you ever thought of doing your own podcast, please visit prettyeasypodcasts.com. Hold up. 
Thank you.